The following podcast contains explicit language. What's good, everybody? You're listening to the Post Movie Podcast. This is Gene Demby. Everybody calls me GD. I am a correspondent at NPR and the founder of Post Bougie. I'm here with my play cousin, Taryn Hall. Hey, guys. What's going on, Taryn? Um, I'm blessed and highly favored. Okay. You didn't give me an introduction about what I do. I am a woman about town. Mm-hmm. That's what I do. Mm-hmm. I stun and amaze. Mm-hmm. I am stunned and amazed by your haircut. That's exactly oh. like mine. Except for the half moon part. Also, for... I have... Well, never yeah, mind. You do... No, it's fine. Can... I was about to go in on your follicles, but I'm yeah, going to chill. Go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> I'm bald-headed. It's fine. It's fine. <laughs> I've come to grips with this. It's not a thing that stresses me out. I'm not quite bald-headed. I'm an almost bald-head scallywag and mm-hmm. got no hair in bed. Because last week you were like, you know, you <sighs> had the, the Sean Kemp flat top. I, no, it was more, I told you it was more of a Hakeem Lion high top, like mm-hmm. a Jermaine Jackson situation. Mm-hmm. But I got tired of combing it. Like, I don't like combing my hair. So. It worked for you, though. I know, but I just felt, uh, it just did not feel like, I didn't feel confident and cute and sexy the way I do when I have very short hair or very long hair. So it's either one or the other. Nothing in between. Nope. That's pretty much your personality. Yep. You were completely immoderate. <laughs> <laughs> so one of the things we wanted to talk about, the thing we wanted to talk about was um, something we touched on a couple months ago when we talked about Ben Carson. <laughs> um, we were cracking. We were here with our boy Joel Anderson of BuzzFeed and another post bougier. Um, we were talking about uh, uh, a Confederate flag that was unfurled in front of his house. We got into this little aside. In front of Ben Carson's house, not Joel's house. <laughs> right. I'm sorry. <laughs> um a uh, Confederate flag that was unfurled in front of Ben Carson's house. And we got into the little aside. Both of you, both you and Joel are Southerners. Joel's mm-hmm. from Texas. You were from Virginia. Yep. And y'all are just like, Psh. I mean, you you kind of shrugged it off like, oh, it's a giant Confederate flag or whatever. If you grew up in Virginia, this is what it is. Mm-hmm. And to me, a Northerner from Philadelphia, I'm like, mm-hmm. okay, what is this about? Um, and so I wanted to talk to you about this because I've been having so many conversations over the last couple of weeks just in my reporting about the Confederate flag and people's experiences with it. Mm-hmm. Um and you and Joel were the first people to ever hear heard sort of express this sort of like it's not that really big a deal. It's mm-hmm. not that big a deal for y'all when y'all were growing up because it was everywhere. Mm-hmm. So walk me through this a little bit. So was it around a lot when you were in Richmond? Um, I mean, you let's back up first. Mm-hmm. So Richmond, Virginia is the capital of the Confederacy. Mm-hmm. So it's not just flags. You know, there are um, monuments to Confederate soldiers. There are streets and elementary schools. Um, I remember, like, Robert E. Lee Elementary, right? Mm-hmm. There are, like, elementary schools filled with black children named after Confederate, like, leaders. <laughs> right, 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 right. Which is, like, nobody stops and thinks about it, but it's just, I mean, it's a, a it's a very prominent part of the history of the state and of the city. And the South, too. I mean, yeah. when I was reading about, uh, when I was doing this research uh, in, in Birmingham, the two biggest high schools are Jefferson Davis High School yeah. and Robert E. Lee High School, both 90% black. Yeah. yeah. And if you think about it, like, um, you know, Jefferson Davis Highway is Route 1 and from that goes from Virginia to D.C. Mm-hmm. Like, it runs parallel to 95. Right. And if um, if you drive down 95, maybe 40 miles outside of D.C., there's a giant Confederate flag on, overlooking the... Overlooking them. Right. It's outside of Fredericksburg because m- yeah. me and my girlfriend, we were driving down and we saw that gigantic flag. We're like, yo, where the hell are we going right now? <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, it's just so it's just like it sucks, but it's like a way of life. Like people like it's just it's what it is. So right? when you were coming up, did you were you aware of that? It was like, OK, did you think of Jefferson Davis High School, Jefferson Davis Highway and Robert Lee Elementary School? Did you I, know that they were? I didn't the- know. So I didn't know. um I didn't really learn as much about, like, 
as much about that until I was like in high school, like who the actual leaders were. Like I wouldn't mm-hmm. be like, oh yeah, Robert E. Lee is like a leader, you know, all the in the Confederate Army, right? But I think like I knew the Confederate flag, what it represented, um, and I think my mom did a really good job of like giving us our own history so that we wouldn't feel um so we were kind of shielded from the kind of racism of that, right? Right. Um, Did you feel threatened by it when you saw not it? Not really. You know what it is. You don't. I don't. I never really felt threatened because, like, I wasn't. You just don't deal with those people, right? Because you might see it on somebody's truck, mm. or you might see it on somebody's hat, or okay. you might see it. You know what I mean? And it's not like like unless I was like in some place like in the deep country where like, um, you know, I didn't know anybody. I wouldn't like that would make me kind of uncomfortable. But like you're in the city and it's you know. As you get into more rural areas, people I felt feel like people mostly keep to themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, also in Richmond too, like there's Monument. Have you ever been on Monument Avenue? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's beautiful. Yeah, it's gorgeous. It's gorgeous. But it's a, a monuments of Confederate soldiers punctuated by the Arthur Ashe statue, right. which is <laughs> right in the middle. <laughs> right, right, and right. I remember when they were erecting it, there was like this big, like you know do we or don't we put the statue here? Mm-hmm. But he was such a big part of Richmond's history, right? Right, right? And that, I mean, that just goes to show, like, black people were such are such a big pe- part of Richmond's history. And Southern um, history, right? And Southern history. Um, and you have, I mean, it's just, uh, there are, I don't know. It's just, it's, it's, I think people figure out a way to compartmentalize um, those symbols and that racism to where, like, you just kind of, are like okay, whatever. Like if if this is what people need to make them feel better, then you do you. But like we, I mean, it's not going to stop us from like living our lives. Right, right, right. So this is the thing that I've been wrestling with over the last couple of weeks. Right, this okay. idea of like you have certain imagery, certain iconography that becomes like democratized, right? Because mm-hmm. it's all out in the mainstream, right? Mm-hmm. Stuff like the Washington Redskins, for instance, like their logo, yeah. their name, it's just a thing that like people interact with in all these really personal ways, right? And people love. I mean, and, and you talk about people loving the Redskins, mm-hmm. but it's racist as shit. Right, right, exactly. And you have people, like, if like if you said to somebody that's from D.C., right, grew up in Southeast or, like, in Maryland somewhere, Maryland. Maryland. And you were like, yo, that's racist as fuck. People were like, look, some people might look at you with skins. Like, yeah. Look at you sideways. Absolutely. And, like, you know, and we it can both, and this is the thing I've been trying to wrestle with is, like, the idea that this thing has a meaning mm-hmm. that is true regardless, right? That it is obviously a racist caricature of Native mm-hmm. Americans. At the same time, all these people have all these different ways into that imagery. Yep. And so their relationship to that imagery is, like... You know, this is this is the I, I bleed burgundy and gold, right? Yeah. I put this on. I put my RG three jersey on when I'm about to sit down and watch the game. First of all, if you wear an RG three jersey, <laughs> return that shit right now. Um, but um, and I was trying to I've made an argument this week that made me a little really uncomfortable. I made this argument at work in my day job at Code Switch um, about the Confederate flag being the same thing for people. Like mm-hmm. you know, there's a, a bunch of people for whom that flag has like been leached of a certain meaning because it only represents, you know bullshit with their friends when they were growing mm-hmm. up, bullshit with their friends. You know, um, the flag was used in the post, like in the 70s and later among a bunch of white Southerners because obviously it wasn't black people rocking this, but mm-hmm. white Southerners. Except as, for what's it, New South? Yeah, New South. and Buddha, 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 rocking <laughs> everywhere. Sorry. Uh, yeah, like all, you know, obviously you had your little John and you had um, some other people who were trying to like reclaim it, reappropriate it, right? And I think I remember on some of the Stankonia um, um, uh, uh, cover art that like 
I don't remember. Hundred fifty thousand might have had like a. I'm too young to remember that. Whatever. Um, <laughs> but anyway, like the way that iconography becomes when it's democratized, people then have they can put their own meanings on it, mm-hmm. and. It's not like we shouldn't get rid of it in public spaces. It's like, there's no reason the state should be co-signing it. But I sort of, sort of get, like, why people don't get, why why people get upset by it. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, just because for them, like, when you said, like you said about the Redskins, like, obviously it's racist. Obviously. But if you grew up in D.C. in a sea of burgundy and gold and just, like, rooting for your team, that shit is about your family and mm-hmm. about your, you know, tailgating on Sundays. And, like, it's about some other stuff. Even though it's still racist, right? And so we're having this conversation with people who I think we're talking past each other. Because when I think when they say um, heritage, I think they're not even talking about Confederate shit. Like, even though they are. They're yeah, not. they're talking about, like, their Southern pride. This, and it's obviously, it's obviously about whiteness, right? Because yeah. you don't see people of color rocking that flag or whatever. Yeah. But it's like this weird Leonard Skinner thing that is not necessarily... Yeah. That is both, like, about race, but it is not really about sort of confederacy and I I hated making that argument I hate thinking about it because mm-hmm. I felt like and I got a lot of cosigns I'm being honest like I got a lot of cosigns that I did not feel comfortable with you know what mm-hmm. I mean like people were emailing me like I really appreciate you writing this I was like I've never had white people cosign me so much and I was like this is something about this makes me uncomfortable yeah I mean but I, can I make I don't know if this is like a will make sense but did you read that uh, I don't know if his name is John C. Phillips article that I sent earlier today mm-hmm. about how like Bill- John C. Phillips was the dude who played Denise Hustable's husband, the Navy dude. The Navy dude, Martin. He was the wackest. Well, he was better than Dabness Brickney. Mm, I think he might have been better than Elvin. Yeah. Anyway. Ugh, Elvin was so ugly. Anyway. <laughs> but jo- jo- uh, Joseph Phillips is now is like a conservative I thought it was John or Joseph. John. Oh, is it? I don't, I don't whatever. I don't he know. looks like, I was saying, he looks like <laughs> Jimmy Trevett from Walker, Texas Ranger. <laughs> <laughs> when you made that Walker, Tra- <laughs> Texas Ranger joke, I was like, who are you? Why did you <laughs> Walker, Texas Ranger is an awesome show. That sounds like a show my aunt watched. <laughs> but anyway, so you said, so he's a conservative commentator now. Oh, yeah, yeah. So he was talking about, like, the Bill Cosby situation, right? Mm-hmm. And it kind of, I don't know if I'm making sense, but it felt the same, right? And that, like, you grow up with, it, like, this iconography of this person, right? Mm-hmm. Bill Cosby and um, the Cosby Show represented this very, like, iconic ideal of black middle American life. But on... Or middle class, yeah. Yeah, and, yeah. and the behind the scenes, everybody... Or they were rich, like that middle class. Yeah. They were rich. The Huxley were rich. Everybody knew that he was, like... Behind the scenes, everybody knew he was a womanizer. And mm-hmm. then, like, he... John C. Phillips learned that, like there was a very good chance that Bill Cosby was the monster that like the um, news had said he was. Um, And so like it kind of like seeing him try to reconcile those two things feels similar to me in the way that people try to like some, some people try to reconcile like the Confederate flag. Maybe I'm no, no, that was actually when, when I, when we wrote this piece, like what everybody, people started talking about their own, the things they wrestle with in popular culture, right? The Mm -hmm. cultural objects, that, yeah. that are messy to them that they, like, yeah. love and have all this place for. And Cosby was the one that kept coming up, right? Yeah. It was the Cosby show that everybody kept bringing up. Yeah. I don't even feel bad about watching... Like, I've watching the Cosby show now is, like... I don't even watch... I mean, it just... It's like, damn, I can't even watch that without feeling, like, a little bit, like... And he was a gynecologist. Mm. <laughs> oh, God. Pulling hoagies out of people, pregnant women's belly. What no, the- he, it wasn't a pregnant woman. He pulled it on himself. He pulled the hoagie out of himself. Oh, okay. Yeah. See? 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 Whatever. Yeah. But yeah. you but you know what I mean? Like, so I think it's, it's messy. And I think... I think, too, like, the 
particularly in the South, like this glorification of the past or like the revisionist history that like a lot of people like um, want to s- subscribe to is really just wishful thinking. Because mm-hmm. when you think about it, like most of the landowners were like there were very few like rich right. landowners that like even could have a plantation. Right. And those landowners weren't working those or tilling those fields and picking that cotton. It mm-hmm. was slaves that were doing it. Right. Absolutely. Right. right. Mm-hmm. So you have to come to grips with the fact that like, no, I mean, I know you want to claim this history, but the re- the real deal is like the people who are still super rich down south are probably the ones like the very few that were rich back then. And right. your folks probably could never even get close to that. Right, 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 right. And so you got sold a dream about whiteness and about like the Confederacy. Mm-hmm. But I think, I think, I think that's all exactly right. I think though, the problem is that that stuff becomes so much of the, you know, the background noise of mm-hmm. Southern life. I mean, and tell me if I'm speaking out of turn, like uh, making assumptions about Southerners, you know, mm-hmm. whatever. Um, but like, uh, my colleague, who is an executive, one of the vice presidents at NPR, um, is a black dude from Louisiana, native New Orleanian, uh, and he grew up in New Orleans, where all the stuff has bears the name of Confederate soldiers, mm-hmm. um, Confederate politicians, plantation mm-hmm. owners, whatever. And so, in the '90s, there was this push to like rename everything. Like, Do you just, know how much stuff you had to go? Th- right. There was like just like just, let's let's leech let's take these names down. Right. Um, and, you know, because, you know, you don't want to live in a city that is just marked by, you know, traitors and, um, mm-hmm. and you know, work or criminals, right? Mm-hmm. And slave owners. And so um, one of the schools, though, is called McDonough 35. And it's like one of the, like, it's one of the schools that's still around after in post-Katrina mm-hmm. New Orleans. Um, and McDonough 35 um, was one of the schools that was slated to have his name changed. But it didn't have his name changed because... Um, it was um, the school through which it was the first black public high school in Louisiana. Wow. Um, and it's named after John McDonough. This, now, when we talk about wealthy plantation owners, he had 1,800 slaves. Um, 1,800? 1,800 slaves. So some of them were his kids, probably. Yeah, probably. But he had a ton of slaves. Like, it's probably, I don't know what percentage of slave owners would have had that many slaves. Yeah, that's a but lot he's of like slaves. Upper, he's like the one percenter of slave owners, right? Yeah. Um, and so, um, and he was like, sort of notorious for the way he treated his slaves and yada, yada, yada. But he left a bunch of money to, like, public schools in Baltimore and New Orleans. Mm -hmm. Now, um, McDonough 35 is named for this dude. This all-black city council, or mostly black city council in New Orleans, quietly did not change the name of the school because because it was the first black high school in that city. It became the the, basically the pipeline for the black elite in that city, right? Uh, And so, like, generations of kids had come out of there. So Mm -hmm. it's one of those things where, like, what what my colleague suggested to me was, like, um, it was their high school. Like, Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Like, it was was a high school of, like, basically a, a whole pocket of New Orleans New Orleans black life was wrapped up in this high school. New and, Orleans, baby. <laughs> right, exactly. Um, shout out to Weezy. Um, and, like, to them, the name was was sort of divorced from the person who, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, this is my high school. If you change the name of my high school, I'm going to feel some way about it. Yeah. Like, even though it bears the name of, you know, this horrible plantation owner this yeah. hard slave master I mean and, but, it's, and that w- when I was having these arguments with people about or not, or just trying to talk this out with people that was always a story that moved people because it was always like the way people feel about their stuff right the mm-hmm. way that people feel about their high schools or whatever yeah is really really personal and so you have this all black uh, city council that decided not to change it because it wasn't about his name as this other thing 
it was, was a, about people's experiences, experiences in the, that place. To them, this is a place where you you in high school. You remember my high school sweetheart. You remember prom. You remember going to football games. You remember doing all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's the thing that I was I was trying to get at that messiness about how when we talk about heritage, we're talking about and tradition and talking about remembering for these symbols. We're not talking about we're talking about something much more personal, much more recent. Yeah. And that stuff is ugly. And that stuff is, is stuff that we all feel because we all again traffic in. We all love pieces of culture and objects of culture mm. that are messy, and we can understand them to ourselves. But of course, if somebody came to you and was like, you know, don't listen to that R. Kelly album. I mean, you know, because R. Kelly is allegedly a child molester. I have to say allegedly because I'm a journalist, but let's be real. But if R. Kelly is allegedly a child molester. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like a lot of people, a lot of people can both hold in their head. The R. Or R. like Chris Brown. Exactly right. Chris Brown, as you know, is a Virginian. He's he's also from the country. Right. Um, he's your cousin. Shut up. My family is originally from Mississippi and North Carolina, mm-hmm. um, but I'm from Virginia. Mm-hmm. But like, I I have the same struggles with Chris Brown, mm-hmm. and I like there was a time where I would like not say that in public because of, like, dang, like this fool be dancing his ass off. <laughs> he, I mean, he has an okay singing voice. He's fine. He's no Trey songs. <laughs> yeah, Chris Brown, the person mm-hmm. is. Like, just deplorable, awful, like, mm-hmm. he makes me, he makes my skin crawl. Right. Um, you would not want to be friends with Chris Brown in real life. No. He's, yeah. something is You would not want your friends to be friends with Chris not, Brown. Hell no. He's, yeah. something is deeply, I feel something is deeply wrong with him. Mm-hmm. And he really needs help. Mm-hmm. And I'm not just talking about, like, just from what I see, it's just like, dog, like, he is really, like, it feels like he's a lost soul. But seeing him perform, like, seeing him dance, especially, it's like, transcendent sometimes like mm. almost like it's transcendent and it's like damn like why do people have to be both extremely talented and bring joy but also completely awful like right. that's that's the messiness of just being human right 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 and you have to choose what you know what you want what you want your battles to be but if somebody came to you and said you shouldn't bang with chris chris brown for all these reasons you'd be like yeah i totally understand that right i under no i get it mm. i totally get it no right right i'm saying but the, when we ever whenever we come to people and say like you should oh. not, consume, not this cultural object should not be your thing and i don't want to say like i'm copping please with the confederate flag or the washington Redskins or anything like that i'm just saying no that, no like, i totally get it but i think i think there's i think another thing that being in, a, in the south teaches you is that um, in your what's in your home versus what's out in the streets is like two different things, right? Mm-hmm. So I think, um, particularly in the South, it'll be hard to like strip all the names of like all the you know, right? Well, but it, but I think you know if people people are going to do what they want to do in their own homes anyway. Sure, 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 right? sure. So that's up to them. How people react to them in the public space is you know also like that's just what it is. That's but what I it think, is, right? Like so, for example, in South Carolina, the state. Uh, the state sanctioned like flying of the Confederate flag is just it's trifling. Mm-hmm. It's absolutely trifling. Right, and that's and I think that's the argument that people are making is that you can have like sort sort of um, state and institutional sanction for these things. Like um, if if the state is co-signing the flag flying over the state house mm-hmm. or the names of streets or whatever, like those yeah. things can be like you can adjust those things. You can't necessarily take somebody. Obviously, people can fly the flag in the backyard or whatever, yeah. do their thing, whatever. And they, I mean, they will, and they will, they will. They're not going to stop, but. But I think that what happened, but people get to a place where they might stop when it ceases to have uh, official cosign. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. now that stuff is not going to be a public life. You know what I mean? Like it's like, you know, it's one it's thing. It's not for, as cool for like, it's not a cool thing. Like, or not that it's cool, but it's kind of like people like people with power look the other way. Right. With that type of stuff. Right. Like, mm-hmm. so for me, like, I feel like I don't have 
power or influence to make somebody who does like has the confederate flag stop right Mm -hmm. nothing i say or do is going to make them like they don't they don't they're not trying to hear all that as somebody i know used to say right i ain't trying to hear all that Mm -hmm. um but if you don't have like a governor or a, a city councilman or another person who's in power that can be like that if you don't have that cosign anymore you're right like people are just not gonna they're not maybe they won't feel comfortable with it anymore mm-hmm. so yeah i mean that's that's the thing i think that is because you know it's not just the state is taking the stuff away right you got walmart you got sears you got mm-hmm. amazon saying we're not going to sell this merchandise right mm-hmm. and so suddenly this stuff is just not going to be like there's a bunch of big corporations too that are yeah. saying that we're not co-signing this too and so people are making this decision on, on their own it's going to be like a person the per, person by person sort of mm-hmm. fight that we're going to have now and i think the only reason i think that's important because or it's important to think about the way that people metabolize those things because mm-hmm. the person-to-person stuff is really messy. That's mm-hmm. the stuff that's about, like, yo, I'm, the stuff you're talking about, about, like, world historical atrocities and genocides, mm-hmm. that ain't got nothing to do with my flag. And mm-hmm. that's like, yes, you're missing the point. But also, like, we're saying to them, like, they're missing the point. But they're also, like, saying, like, on some in a really honest way, like, really sincerely, these people believe that, like, the thing they're talking about is about... You know, fishing in the water hole. You know, first my first pickup truck, my first Leonard Skinner tape in the eight the eight track. You know, have like you ever that. been down south? Um, like an, in the south, like in the country, or in, in the, the in the cut. I mean, in the last couple of years, a couple of times. Yeah, I mean, like you know, I was in Birmingham reporting last year, in Tuscaloosa, but, and like I was in Arkansas. What? Let me ask you as a northerner, what do you imagine Southern life is? And the reason why I ask this is because I just came back um, from Detroit uh, from a trip from Detroit, and one of the friend that I was staying with said I was both Southern and country. There's a difference but she she called me both and i'm wondering what i mean i i always always use those interchangeably until i started like when i started having friends who were all country because full disclosure like half of pb is like country as hell i mean not country but you know what i mean like so you're from richmond joel's from texas mm-hmm. um um jamel's from virginia. virginia right his people in south carolina yeah. monica potts uh is from arkansas from Woo! arkansas i mean and that's just, right next to mississippi I yeah think. i mean we're talking about Country as hell, right? Southern girl. So, you know what I mean? And so, um, uh, when I would say Southern, I would use use them interchangeably. Mm-hmm. But, and Monica used to always say this thing was really interesting to me. She said that it was, when I asked her if it was hard for her to move from rural Arkansas to, like, Philly, which is where she, where she went to college, right? Mm-hmm. And she was like, nah, because you see Northern stuff, you see big city, East Coast stuff on TV all the time, mm-hmm. right? People in the on the coast don't see what like rural Southern life is yeah. like. She's like, it's probably a bigger shock for you to go the other way. Yeah. I remember the first time I went to Kentucky and I was in Louisville. Tracy's from Kentucky, right? Yeah. Um, and so and Tracy Clayton is another PBR, right? So um, I remember being like, damn, this is country, this is country as hell, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think there's, I remember the, that was probably the first time I saw a Confederate flag in person. Mm-hmm. When we were in Louisville. It was on a, uh, uh, we're driving out into the stick somewhere, and mm-hmm. I saw it on the back of a pickup truck. Do you feel like the South? As a black Southerner, I hate I hate questions that start this way. Like you speak for everybody, <laughs> but, but do you feel like the South as a black Southerner gets a bad rap? Oh yeah, like I think, and, and not just like black folks, but Southerners in general, black or white or whatever. Right? There's a bunch of um, Latinos and Asians. There are a lot of um, Asians like in places like Texas, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but I think uh, for sure because you, if you have an accent, people think you're dumb, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and that's if you're black, white, whatever. Like, was your was your accent more pronounced? I think it depends. So I lived with one of my good friends from college. is from New York. She's from Brooklyn, mm-hmm. and um, she whereabouts? She's from uh, East New York. Okay. Oh wow. Yeah. 
So she's and she's Jamaican. So she says Tuesday. Tuesday. Yeah. Um, and well, the kind of a British Jamaican lilt. But um, but she. I remember I said something. I need to. Um, what's that on your head? And because I say head, head. instead of head, mm-hmm. it's like you, I was like, oh, I never, I don't even hear it. Yeah, it's funny because so a lot of Philadelphia black Philadelphians have drawls too. And so mm-hmm. when I went to school, I went to school in New York. Mm-hmm. The first time I said red, people said that to me too. Mm-hmm. Like I remember the first time I was getting my hair cut from this Dominican cat who lived across the hall from me. <laughs> um, and he's like, "Are you from Tennessee?" And I was like, <laughs> "Nah, I'm from Philly." And it was funny because I never thought I was on the country, but relative mm-hmm. to the way that New Yorkers like had that very specific sort mm-hmm. of flat enunciation, yeah, I thought it was. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't, I think my accent. Also, I'm from like Virginia, where people don't think it's the South, but once you get off, I always say this: you get off 64, you get off I-95, and it's like, yeah, it is country. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, like I don't have like a, I don't think I have a heavy accent. Mm-hmm. Um. But if I'm, like, with my family or if I'm, like, somewhere and it just kind of some things, like, head, I used to say aura. And my dad is from New York. So I never understood. Like, he would be like, you have to say R, R. And I was like, I'm saying aura. You found the father of the pirate. Aura. Yeah. Or, um, or I would be like, um, I still say, I get in trouble for this all the time. Ain't got no. <laughs> ain't, I ain't got no whatchamacallit. How did you, did you feel like you had to... Like leech, leech what? Did you think like you had to like? Did you did you consciously lose your accent or? Um, I don't think so. I think I code switch lightly. Like I somebody. Oh, I was with a guy, a gentleman, the other night at, at dinner with him and a, my friend in Detroit, and he said, "Oh yeah, I can definitely tell that you're black. You have a black American accent, or you have a black accent because like there's no way that you would get me on the phone and think that I was not a black woman. Right. I might sat like I might put on my like." Hello, this is Taryn. Da 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 da. But there's something there where like it's just inescapable. Like you're never not gonna know that I'm black, and you're never not gonna know that I'm like from the south. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not heavy, but you mm-hmm. know it's there. So, uh, so back to the other question, do you, do you feel like Southerners get a bad rap? Yeah, for sure. One of the things that is really interesting to me is that people from up north are like, yo, like if I was down south, son, I would never stand for this, that, and a third. And like, you know, y'all are dealing with this, you know, y'all, y'all, if it was me, like I would have been doing this, that, and a third to address racism and like uh, how they would address racism mm-hmm. in a certain way. But like, as you know, like up north, people are like segregated. Right. Right. Whereas down south, people, these are people, your neighbors, people you grew up with. Mm-hmm. Like, so I think... I think there's judgment about the fact that there's like stuff that's fucked up about down south without understanding the lived reality of what it means to be from the south. And like you said, having a complicated history and having to like deal with these certain things. Right. And Mm -hmm. I think that's kind of like that's where some of like like you compartmentalize so that you can live like you can live where you are. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, So, for example, I I told you this. I was at a restaurant in at home and I live like Richmond is pretty like chill. Like it's a big big enough city, biggish city. Mm-hmm. And I went to order some I wanted some catfish real bad and I went to this restaurant. It's a chain restaurant, nice spot in a nice area. Um what, is it a sandwich or just a catfish? No, I wanted catfish with broccoli um and rice casserole uh-huh. and some I don't know if they had greens. 
I wish they had greens. Anyway, <laughs> um, so I, that's a very southern meal to want. Like I just had, you know, your mouth is fixed on. Like I want some catfish mm-hmm. and broccoli and rice casserole. So I went to the restaurant and I went up there, and the young lady, this young lady that was taking my order, had a Confederate flag nail her Confederate flag nail manicure done. Mm-hmm. Now. I so you noted this. I know. Oh, I peeped it. She was cool. I mean, she was like cool. Like, hi, can I take your order? Blah 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 blah. And I was like, what does this chick have this manicure on for? And then I was looking at it, and I turned around. And I was like, mom, look at her manicure. And in my mind, I was like, there are a few things running through my mind. One. The manicure was really good. Like, it looked like a really... I was like, yo, that manicure, where did she get her nails done? But then I was like, yo, this chick is maybe 20 years old, and mm-hmm. she has a, a confederate... She doesn't even know what that means. Mm-hmm. And she doesn't know what that signals to me as a customer and as a black woman. And then I was like, well, do I talk to her boss about it? Do I call National? Do I get on Twitter and blow up her spot? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Or do I like? Do I still order the catfish? Because like I really wanted this catfish, and I can't give this woman my car. I'm not letting her touch my car with that na- with that manicure. Mm-hmm. As cute as it is, like as well done as it is, it wasn't cute, but it was well done. <laughs> so my mom, my mom was just like, "Girl, don't worry about it. Let's go." Mm-hmm. And they didn't ended up not having the broccoli and rice casserole, so I was mad. So I was like, "I'm good." I decided to leave. We went to Cracker Barrel instead. Which <laughs> yeah, I know that that is <laughs> at least Cracker Barrel got black folks on the wall. So they, they had to by court order, apparently. Wait, are you serious? No, when I so I, the first time I ever went to Cracker Barrel was when I went to Kentucky again. I was visiting uh, Tracy, uh, me and Monica were visiting Tracy mm-hmm. in Kentucky, um, or rather I should say I was visiting Monica who was in Kentucky reporting, and I stopped in Louisville. We stopped in Louisville to get up with Tracy, um, and we went to the Cracker Barrel, and they had this giant sign of the Cracker Barrel, like because you know Cracker Barrel had been hit with all these lawsuits and accusations of uh of mistreating black customers and 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 black uh black staff members um and so people there was like a class action suit i believe and so if you go into a cracker barrel when you first go in that was the first time i ever went there um the wall has like a sign that's like um we at cracker, cracker barrel strive to be equal opportunity and all mm-hmm. sorts of stuff like it's sort of like this very weird disclaimer like hey basically our bad we're trying to do better uh-huh. um so yeah that was that was like jarring. I was like, "Oh yeah, this is the place I heard about." The food was banging. Yo, their pancakes yeah, are the fucking heavenly. Sweet potato pancakes or whatever. No, just a regular pancake. They're so yeah. golden. You know, I like things that are golden. Yep, like your man. <laughs> Look, I'm single, sexy, and saved. Mm. So don't block my blessings, okay? All right, all right. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I think sometimes Southerners can get a bad rap because people think people. I think people that are not from there always say what they would do, but mm. they don't know what it means to be, like live like me confronting that girl in that space to me didn't feel like it didn't feel um productive Mm -hmm. right i mean and if i'm sure somebody else probably saw that and was would either say something or not but like it's just like i don't know i was kind of torn about what to do in that space right right but you know it's life and i don't know we'll see since we're talking about southern things so you know i've had some time um to be to be with my grandmother who is from Mississippi, mm-hmm. and so she's super deep South country. She's, I mean, but she's also an educated woman. She has a master's degree. She's you like could a be country and educated. Yeah, but anyway, we've been kicking it this summer, and it's been like super awesome. So I've been like gardening. We grew. I made this stuff called hot tomato hot tomato pickle, which is chow chow. 
It's this Wait, like what? What is hot tomato pickle? Mm-hmm. It's a you take green tomatoes, uh, cayenne peppers, sugar, vinegar, and pickling spice, and you basically can you make a relish, a sweet relish, and you put it on your greens and you eat it with like black eyed peas, cornbread. Um, I remember, yeah, you hit me up on G Chat. I was like, "What are you doing?" He was like, "I'm just canning," and I was like, "What? Are you, what are you talking for right now? I'm just canning things." Yeah, and I was telling my friend, I was like, "Dog, whenever I go out into the garden, like I look like a sharecropper. <laughs> like I have a big wide straw brim hat, long sleeve shirt, long pants with the socks pulled up over them, and then like shoot my sneakers, and then I'm out there chopping stuff, picking. You know, we had beans." Being able to do those things with my grandma, because my grandmother grew up on a farm. She had to get up at four to, like, milk cows. She picked cotton with her mom. Her mm-hmm. family owns the farm. Like, okay, this is my heritage, and this, I, I only, I know it only goes back so far, but being able to do the things that, like, helps sustain her family, um, and, like, canning things. Like, my grandmother doesn't cook, but that's one of the few things that she makes where it's like, oh, this is, like, reminds me of home, and mm-hmm. it's, like, nice to feel tied to something Mm -hmm. and it's southern and even though it has like a messy past right in a place like mississippi Mm -hmm. north carolina it's still like my history so i can't you know i can't divorce myself from that and i think being able to be with my grandmother this summer was like really eye-opening but also really like i'm really thankful for that experience that's what's up yeah taryn Jean. thank you for doing this i always appreciate being here with you um you know it's a pleasure to be here today, and I'm glad that I can help give you a slice of Southern American. Just my little slice of life. It's a slice of bread pudding. It's a bread pudding. Oh. So we'd love to hear from you guys about all your experiences with the flag, about being Southern, about um, about the way Southern racial politics is portrayed in the media, the stuff in your life that you might dig that is really messy. Like it's personal to you and you might find it personally important. You you dance and step in the name of the love and you should know better, right? Whatever it is. Like let's let's talk about that. We're on Twitter at postbougie. We're at postbougie.com where you will find this podcast. Um also on SoundCloud and iTunes and all that stuff. So holler at us. Uh I am G D on behalf of Terran Hall. I can speak for myself. You are a strong black woman of the nineties. You're right. On behalf of Terran and the rest of the PB crew, we'll see you in a week. Be easy. Our theme music is Nick's Groove by the Foreign Exchange. And shout outs to our podcast producer, Channing Kennedy. Holler at us and sign up for our newsletter at postbougie.com.